Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. <laughs> Y'all doing all right today? My goodness, man. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think one of my favorite parts about this morning is, um, man, I just love Jeff so much. If you guys could have seen it happen, I don't know if you caught it. Pastor Grant was praying for Jeff's diabetes, and he laid his hand on his shoulder, not knowing that Jeff had frozen shoulder. You see what I'm saying? And so he, <laughs> it's like, Jeff, it's not even, Jeff, Jeff literally, when he started realizing that his shoulder was healed, he, he literally, no one was even looking at Jeff except like JD and, and me. And he was over there and he was like, we didn't even pray for this. And he just starts throwing his shoulder, like he couldn't even move his shoulder before. And he starts, anyways, one of my favorite parts about this morning, yeah, praise God. Was, you know, we gave that, Pastor Grant gave that word about, you know, laying stuff down. And then we go into singing, Great Are You, Lord. And there's something significant about the confession of His greatness that sets you free. Like, we can sing these freedom songs, which are beautiful, right? I'm not here for blessing. You owe me anything. All right, <laughs> nothing else, nothing else. Dude. All right, but there's something powerful when you say, God, your ways are higher. That sets you free from addiction, that heals your body. You come into alignment with heaven when you say, Great are you, Lord. And I heard you, Kara. On earth as it is in heaven. I heard it. On earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Amen? Okay. Um, yeah. So if you're new here, my name is Daniel Miller. I'm on staff here at a, as a church planner in residence. You probably don't know what that means. But a big part of our mission is just sending Right, training, equipping, and sinning, and multiplication in the church for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom. My function here at the church is I'm our worship pastor. You just heard from our uh, lead pastor, Grant Collins. If you're new here, come, like, hug our necks. Like, you're welcome here. And, like, we are a house of worship. We usually have 30 minutes of worship. This morning, we went an hour. (laughs) Amen. I want to be a worshiper in my heart, man, like, I want to have a heart of worship that doesn't get bored when we pass the 30-minute mark. Like, we can watch a Netflix episode that's, like, every episode on streaming now is at least an hour. And we do that like nothing, dude. But we pass 30 minutes in worship, and people are like, mm. I want to, man, I want to have a heart of worship, man. Whether we go five minutes, or we're at the two-hour mark, whether, 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 just that crosses, I want my worship to cross denominations. Like whether I'm singing hymns in the old Baptist church and the down, down, down a country road, 
or I'm surrounded by the, charis- the hollering charismatic. Like I want to be able to enter in and lift up a fragrance that's pleasing unto him that moves his heart. That is worship. Uh, yeah. Woo. The Lord is in this place, man. He's here. Do you feel him? He is so good. He's so good and he is bursting outside of the box that we've put him in. And he is saying, do you want to know me? Amen. Hey, we are, um, do we have slides? Danny. We do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Yes, please. Hey, can I interrupt? We, there's so many things we're trying to juggle. Hey, um, everybody say March 23rd. Okay, that's, that's a Saturday. Um, Josh, where is he? Josh Love and Kayla Geisinger, they're in the back. We have a thing? They're, ha- they're getting married in this room and they're inviting everybody. So if you want to come, if you want to come on March 23rd at 1.30 p.m., we'll start worshiping at 1.15. Uh, it's going to be great. They wanted to make sure the whole body got invited. So there's Josh. He wants to tell each and every one of you about it individually <laughs> because he likes social interactions so much. All right, bless you. Thanks for doing that, because I did not know what to say. Yeah, you, you need to RSVP if you're coming. R- yeah. Okay. All right. I love you guys, man. I love this place. I love this family. It's an honor to be here um, in the presence of the Lord. Um, man, there's just nothing like His presence. Man, there's just nothing like him, man. There's nothing like him. We are um, in the middle of a series um, called um, The Heart of a Champion. And um, at the end of the year, end of the last year, we, um, had tw- uh, we did like this 24 hours of prayer thing. And within that 24 hours, the Lord birthed this word within our, our team um, <clears throat> Out of uh, 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Amen? And this word was just kind of resonating throughout our our leadership team and through the the people that were coming to this 24 hours of prayer, um, that the Lord was calling our church body from victims to victors. That the Lord was setting us free from the spirit of fear and reminding us that we've been given His Holy Spirit in exchange. What a beautiful deal. I mean, you can't beat that. Amen? This word was birthed in this 24 hours of prayer. And I remember just getting so excited because like, we, we like, we're like working in shifts, right? So Pastor Grant had the first shift. And then he tapped out to Cammie, and then Cammie tapped out to me. And I remember, like, showing up for my shift, and Cammie met me in the foyer, which I recently learned is actually pronounced for, foyer. <laughs> y'all, y'all are going to learn that I don't know, I don't talk right, okay? <laughs> my wife and my pastor constantly make fun of the way I speak. Uh, <laughs> roll Tide. Um, anyways... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, I come into the foyer and uh, Cammie is just start. She's starting to tell me like about this word that, you know, that was kind of resonating with Grant. And they were talking about it like, you know, from vic- from victims to victors. And I just felt like this energy just like building up inside of me. And I'm like, yes, yes. And I had been I felt like, you know, prior to this, the Lord gave me this phrase, the heart of a champion, the champion's heart. And um, how, many of you, how many of you know that Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead? Yeah? Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit did. Peter tells us in Acts, Paul tells us in Romans, that it was the Spirit of God that came into that tomb uh, Put breath back into the lungs of our Savior. And then that same spirit that did that, that, that did that to the broken dead body of Jesus is now living within you. The spirit of life, of resurrection, the greatest battle ever fought, the greatest battle in all of existence that was ever fought was the battle of the grave. And the spirit that secured that victory is living within you. Amen? The champion's heart. This is the champion's heart. Um, and, and so as Christians who, who walk in that spirit, who have that spirit within us, we're called to live in an offensive role. We're not merely meant to just hold back the darknesses to the best of our ability and wait till we die to go to heaven or or Jesus returns. You know, it's, it's not like we're just like, you know, like, uh, like just limping through this life. We're called to be on the offensive. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. hey Huh? Okay. So uh, there's this movie, Wally. Y'all ever seen Wally? Wally. Yeah. Eva. <laughs> At the end of the movie, this guy, I don't have time to get, in, get into it, but this guy, it's like these humans, and they're, they just got used to just like surviving. You know, these robots are just doing everything for them. They're like feeding them, entertaining them, everything. And then they come, they, like the captain of the ship, he snaps out of this trance that he, that he is in where these robots have just been like, you know, doing everything for him. And, and he's like, I want to be free. And the robot tells him, he's like, if you just stay bound to me, I'm paraphrasing here, okay? He's like, if you just stay under my robotic trance thing, you'll survive. And he says, oh man, I'll never forget it. He says, I don't want to survive. I want to live. <laughs> Amen. And then Jake Hamilton wrote a song about it, and it's really awesome. But um, So it's not this picture of the Christian. It's not that we're just surviving and just holding back the darkness, but we're actually on the offensive, like moving into um, um, this uh, aggressive, like offensive role um, with the heart of a champion. And, you know, the, we have this mission, right, um, to proclaim good news to the poor, Bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives. To heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Amen. This is our mission. 
So my mission is to heal the sick, but if I'm honest with you, my back hurts right now. Right? I have chronic back pain from a skiing incident. West Virginia, man. And the pollen shows up, and it gets me sneezing and, and coughing and hacking up stuff, and it's, it's awful. And Pastor Grant, you know, um, a couple weeks ago when we first started this series, he was preaching out of 2 Corinthians 4, you know, where Paul says that we have this treasure that he refers to as an all-surpassing power, and then we hold it in jars of clay. So I'm called to heal the sick, but I still get sick. I still experience loss, heartbreak, even death. Now, let me make something clear, okay? It's not that we're supposed to just settle for these things. Okay, I never want to like land on a belief that just allows me to get beat up by the devil. And then call it suffering. You guys following me? I always want to contend for, believe in, and pursue complete and full healing, wholeness, restoration, deliverance in my body and those in the bodies around me or the people around me. Like that is my mission, but it creates this tension where I, I am a jar of clay, fragile, broken, dying. Like Pastor Grant always says, we're all dying. You're, I'm dying right now in front of you. <laughs> but within me is this all-surpassing power. And so if you can hold these two truths in tension, it births within you the heart of the champion. See, usually one of our weaknesses as spirit-filled charismatics is that we don't know how to suffer well. Is that the trumpets? We going back, y'all? <laughs> Somebody said, are we? <laughs> All right, I don't have a lot of time, so we're just going to keep going, y'all. And, you know, if we go, we go. Um, so, <laughs> it's so silly. Um, so, yeah, so it's like one of our weaknesses as charismatics is like we don't know how to suffer well. I can say that because I am a spirit-filled charismatic, you know. And so... Um, Bill Johnson himself, who's a prominent leader in the charismatic movement and charismatic circles, he himself says, we don't get the option to bypass pain. It's not something that we get to choose. <clears throat> Paul tells Timothy, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? All surpassing power, persecution, suffering. And it reminds me of the story of Stephen, who's the first martyr of the church. You guys familiar with that? He gets stoned to death. And it says, it says, Stephen, filled with the Spirit, says, I see heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right side of God. And as he's being stoned to death, he says, Lord Jesus, please welcome me. And he says, Lord, don't blame them for what they've done. This is the heart of the champion. You guys follow me? This is the heart of the champion. This, this perseverance through suffering. And then it creates within you this love that can look at your enemy and say, Bless him, Lord. Heart of the champion. 
We aren't called to just suffer, but we are called to suffer like Christ did. And the Bible tells us that He endured the cross with a joy set before Him. So to suffer like Christ did is to endure hardship with a joy set before you. All right, so Romans 5, if you can just turn there, and then a few pages later we'll get into Romans 8. Uh, But Romans 5, verse 1, right at the top. Um, Okay, so I'm going to go. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Hallelujah. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? Not only so, but we also glory. That word right there, it just means rejoice. So not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Almost any time the Bible mentions suffering, it's almost always tied to blessing or rejoicing. Anytime the word suffering shows up, it's almost always connected to either blessing or rejoicing. Which almost tells me that the biblical response to suffering is rejoicing. Are you guys following me? The biblical response to suffering is rejoicing. Now, blessed are those who mourn, right? Amen? So there's holy mourning. There's a place where, the, where we mourn and it's beautiful. And then the Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls the Comforter, meets us in that place. And then He trades our mourning for the oil of joy. So our mourning is like this currency that we can use to exchange for rejoicing. The heart of the champion. You guys good? One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Anybody know what it says? Rejoice always. That's it. Rejoice always. That's the verse. Come on. All right, let's keep going. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. See, hope isn't just wishful thinking. That's what we think of it as society. Man, I hope this works out. I hope I have time to do this. I hope, you know, whatever. Bill Johnson, at least twice now I've mentioned Bill today. Uh, Bill Johnson says, Biblical hope is the joyful anticipation of good. To have hope is to believe something extraordinary is about to happen. Therefore, I'm going to rejoice now as if it has already happened. Okay, get this. Hope gives you permission to celebrate the answer as if it's already happened. See, hope gives you permission to rejoice regardless of your external circumstances because of your internal state of being. Which is what? So let's look at verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love 
we can rejoice because His love has been poured into our hearts. We can confidently hope in the midst of suffering. Why? Because we are not defined by our suffering. We're defined by His. And His suffering was the ultimate expression of love poured out on the cross, overflowing and then spilling and then pouring into your own heart. Amen? You're not defined by your sufferings. You're defined by His. And His was the ultimate expression of love. See, suffering starts this chain reaction within us that ultimately produces hope. And the entire reason we can hope is because He loves us. Love isn't just a distant or future reality. It's been poured into your heart. It's the Holy Spirit. And in Paul's language, he says, it has been given to you. You have been given the spirit of love. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. He hasn't given us fear. Instead, he's given us Love. So I don't have to be afraid because I am loved. I don't have to be afraid because I am loved. Whenever I feel afraid, there's an opportunity to remember that I am loved. The Bible says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. The implication is that because God cares about you, You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be anxious because God loves you. And see, that's where when all the people who have anxiety just roll their eyes. Whatever, dude. You know? And see, God loves you is the single most powerful, profound, impactful statement in all of the universe. God loves you, my friend. God loves you. He loves you. The issue is that I, I believe we, be, we become so exposed to God's love as an idea that it's just become just that, an idea. It's in our songs. It's in every single one of our sermons. It's at the center of everything we do. We're in the Bible Belt. So it's like you hear it all the time. It's, it's literally on our billboards. <laughs> God loves you. There's one like right over there. And we hear it so much that we kind of just, it loses its meaning and it almost becomes like white noise. God loves you. It just kind of becomes like white noise, kind of like the sound that my fan makes at night in my bedroom that eventually just lulls me to sleep. See, we know God loves us, but have we gone to sleep to that? And see, one of the, one of the um, largest distances between two points is from your head to your heart. It's only 18 inches. So I know God loves me in my head, but what do my actions say? Does my life reflect God loves me? This 18-inch journey, as some people call it, sometimes it feels like miles. See, God loves you isn't just a theory or philosophy. 
It's not a program or slogan. It's not a song or a play. It's not even a statement. God loves you is a person. His name is Jesus. God is love. Jesus is God in the flesh. So Jesus is love in the flesh. Jesus is love personified. Amen? And when I can realize that Jesus, that love, when I realize that love is a person, then I can realize that love isn't an idea that I need to understand, but it's a person I am to behold. You guys follow me? When I realize that God loves me, it's not this thing that I need to wrap my head around, but it's a person I can build a relationship with. God loves you is a person you can build a relationship with. And that's why we miss it, because it's this concept. But Jesus is love. Amen? Okay. Okay. (laughs) And see, that's when it goes from faith to trust. Because see, faith is this gift that you are given for free. But trust comes through relationship. It's one thing to have faith that God loves you. It's an entirely different thing to trust that He loves you. To trust Him. To trust His character. It's one thing to have faith that God is the healer. But it's an entirely different thing to trust that He's the healer when you don't see Him heal. See, faith moves mountains. Faith moves mountains. Amen? You guys believe that? Faith moves mountains, but trust gets you through the valleys. Amen? See, Jesus told his disciples, uh, he said, if anybody wants to be my disciple, they must pick up their cross and follow me. And right before he said that, he predicted, right before he said that, he predicted his death and his resurrection. And he said, anyone who wants to follow me must pick up their cross, deny themselves. Where was he going? To die. That's where he was going. He says, hey, I'm going to go die. Now you can follow me. But the part that required trust is the fact that he said, hey, I'm going to go die. You can come die with me. And if you trust me, you'll come back to life. That's the part that that required trust. (laughs) Are you guys following me? And Peter's like, no, man, no. (laughs) Goodness, man. See, the cross was never the final destination. It was always the resurrection. The, The resurrection was always in the cards. It was always the end story. It was always the final destination. He predicted it just as many times as he predicted his death. I am going to die. Three days later, I'll come back. The cross was never the final destination. It was always the resurrection, which tells me that Christ-like suffering always leads to a resurrection. And see, it's not that everything's just going to work out the way you want it to. Okay? But it will work out for your good. Romans 8 says that all things work together for uh, the good of those who love Him. And see, the issue is that your version of good and His version of good don't always mean the same thing. (laughs) And so, you see what I'm saying? 
And so it's this, it's the, it requires this level of trust that's only birthed in relationship that says, Lord, I trust that you are good and you'll get me through this valley. You'll get me through this suffering. I trust that you love me. I trust that you love me. And I think sometimes we play this game. You guys, you guys know that thing where you're like, where the little girl is like plucking off the flower petals. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I think that's what we do. That's what I do. Yeah, he loves me. He loves me not. I do that subconsciously. I tell my buddy Caleb here all the time, like, we, we got to take every thought captive. You know, and when a thought comes my way, I, I filter it through this lens. Is that a princely thought or is that a pauper thought? But I think, I think a more accurate thing is, is to say, is that a he loves me thought or is that a he loves me not thought? And Pastor Grant was talking to us at the men's retreat about how like all of our shortcomings and our sin and all, this, all, all the bad stuff in life is ultimately comes from a place of fear. And I would propose the opposite is true as well, that every, everything that's good, every, every positive thing that happens to us, every positive thought, action, words, it all comes from a place of love. And so when you have a thought, it comes to this crossroads, okay? Is this a he loves me not thought or is it a he loves me thought? And if it's a he loves me thought, then you're presented with an opportunity to take that thought and baptize it. In the waters of his love. And what comes back up is the mind of Christ. Amen? You guys follow me? That's the mind of Christ. Taking every thought captive and baptizing it down in the waters of his love. What comes out? White as snow. Son and daughter. Amen? Amen. You are his masterpiece. God loves you. He not only loves you, he likes you. He delights in you. He made you in his image, in his likeness. Man, when I look at my kids, man, when I look at my baby girl, Esley, and like the sunlight hits her eyes just right, and they just like glow, man. Beautiful blue. I've got a picture of my little boy in my Bible, and I just love to look at it. I delight in them so much that I can literally just get lost in just looking at them. My wife and I, we just look at our baby girl Stella all the time and we're just like, man, man. It's like you really almost don't even know what to say. You get so lost in it. And that's how the Lord feels about you. There's a picture of you on God's refrigerator. <laughs> God's got a picture of you in his wallet. I'm serious. See, that, that, it's silly, but it kind of puts it in perspective. That's how he, he will get lost looking at you. Man, isn't she lovely? <laughs> I'm silly. <laughs> He's singing love songs over you, man. He is so captivated by you. You are his masterpiece, his painting, his work of art. And you say, nah, man, if you just only knew. If you only knew what goes on in my bedroom. If you only knew the arguments me and my wife have, the, the argument we had on the way to church this morning, if you only knew, you wouldn't say that. And see, Paul says that just at the right time, while we were still sinners, he sent his son for us. In your lowest place, he saw you. He saw you 
bound to addiction. He saw you spit in his face. He saw you divorce your spouse. He saw you steal from your parents. He saw you slap your friend. He saw it all. And he still crossed eternity and paid the ultimate price. And that is love. The Bible says there is no greater love than to lay one's life down. Ooh, amen. There's one metric. There's one metric that defines something's, something's value. There's one thing that determines your value. When, when I, I sell stuff on eBay, like game stuff, it's nerdy, okay? I'm not going to get into it. But uh, I do nerd stuff, okay? And I sell nerd stuff on eBay. Uh, I actually don't really do it much now, but I'd still, you know, whatever, okay? I feel like I got to defend myself. <laughs> I am cool. <laughs> um, but when I'm selling something on eBay to determine the value, I'll, I'll go and look at this uh, other times where this thing has been sold on eBay. And I can go and I can see the listings of this thing. Say I'm just selling, you know, a phone. I can go and see where this phone is listed on eBay currently. But that's not what determines its value. Because it's just sitting there and nobody's bought it. I have to go into the sold listings and see what people have paid for for this thing. There's one thing that determines something's value. And it's the price somebody will pay for it. Jesus determined your value by paying his life for you. He broke his body and he spilled his blood to say you are worthy, you are loved, and you are enough. Amen? There's one thing that determines your value. It's already been, it's already been etched into eternity. Your value. I heard it once said, I think Dan Moeller said, that every man has the same price tag on his head. The blood of Jesus. Whoo. Mm. Mm. First John four nine says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Your heavenly Father feeds them. Implication that your son, your daughter... And he takes good care of you. 
And then verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And seek first his kingdom. It reminds me back to the story of Stephen. And I think anybody who reads that story walks away with like, it's like, man, it's such a heartbreaking story. It's terrible. Unless you look at it through kingdom eyes. And then it's one of the greatest stories that the church has ever seen. Because Paul, the guy who approves the stoning, Saul, two chapters later gets saved. (laughs) Through the prayer that Stephen prayed, Lord, forgive him. And then Stephen looks up. He looks up, man, in the midst of stones hitting his face. He, he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, welcoming him with a warm embrace. This is the heart of the champion. The, 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 the champion has eyes that can look up and see Jesus' face in every season. Do you have eyes to see his face? That's the heart of the champion, to look up and trust that he loves you. That His love has been poured into your heart and you can trust that and believe that. That is the heart of the champion. Uh, Let's look at Romans 8 real quick as I just wrap up. Um, I don't want to wrap up. I want to keep preaching. (laughs) Uh, But Romans 8, the whole chapter is like one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Romans 8 is, just a little side note, I don't have enough time, but I'm going to say it anyways. Romans 8 is the answer to 6 and 7. You can't read 7 and walk away. You can't. you got to read 8. Okay? I'm just going to say that. All right. So anyways, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, rather... The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that's where Jesus can look at your eyes and say, look at those eyes glistening in the sun, man. You're grafted into this family. You're called a son and a daughter. And he loves you. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Share in his sufferings. In his sufferings. All right, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We skip down to verse 28. And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. For the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and skip down to verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? What things? Suffering. What then shall we say in response to suffering? This is the Bible's response to suffering. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously 
give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. If I'm honest with you, I always skip over that part because it makes me feel weird. I'm, you know, it's, it's a callback to a psalm where the people of Israel are saying, Lord, we didn't do anything to deserve this suffering. We haven't, like, worshipped, you know, it, we haven't had any other gods. Like, it's in this, this specific season, okay? And they're, they're crying out for the Lord to save them. And Paul is saying, it's even in this that the answer is this. No, he says in verse 37. Are you guys following me? Okay. (laughs) So you're crying out, right? You're crying out. Lord, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? You're crying out, right? Lord, I've I've been contending for healing, Lord. And then this is the answer. Verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I kept asking the Lord, like, I don't understand, like, why more than conqueror? Isn't conqueror enough, right? In all these things, we are conquerors. I think the NASB says we overwhelmingly conquer. Like, that's, you know what I mean? So why more than conqueror? And I felt like the Lord told me conquerors are victorious when they win. But more than conquerors are victorious Even when they lose. And that's you. That's you. That even in defeat, death, heartache, even as the stones are hitting your face, that you can reach in and look in this internal state of being that says, I am loved. He does love me. He loves me. And in that is my victory. And nothing could ever separate me from that. Nothing could ever separate me from His love. I am a a victor. I am a champion. And it's not because anything I did, but it's, it's through His suffering, His work on the cross that determined my value. And in this, I, I rule and reign. In this, I conquer. In this, I am victorious. We live from this internal state of being. Not from our external circumstances, but we have this heart of a champion rooted in love that can claim victory regardless of what we see. But we look at what is unseen. Amen? All right. Okay. Can you guys stand up? I I wrote something, and it's really just a bunch of scripture that I just want to pray over you. Is that okay? 
Listen, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. God is a God of nearness and a God of presence. And in His presence, there is freedom. And when we worship as His sons and daughters, His Spirit comes. And He is in this place. He is in this place. And He is setting you free. Today is the day of your freedom. You will be free from the spirit of fear. You will be free from the spirit of fear. If you just kind of just reach your hands out and just receive this. Do not be afraid. Stand strong and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. The bondage you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. You will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen your weak hands and steady your shaking knees. Be strong. Do not fear. God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If He gave His own Son up for you, won't He also give you everything you need? Who will bring any charge against you? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. For it is Christ Jesus Himself who has at the right hand of God praying for you in this very moment. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall hardship or trouble, heartbreak or disease? Can tragedy, despair, loss or even death separate you from His love? No. In all these things you are more than a conqueror. Through Him who completely and fully loves you and is captivated by you. For I am convinced that nothing in life will be able to separate you from the love of God that was poured out for you on the cross. Today will be the day of your deliverance. Today is the day of your victory. Today will be the day of your freedom. In Jesus' mighty name, may you receive a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair. From this day on, you will be known as a tree of righteousness. A victorious display of His splendor. From this day on, may you remember that all-surpassing power living within you. When times get hard, may you remember. In seasons of suffering, may you remember. I pray that you can look up and see His face In every season. May your cup. Not just be full. But running over. May you receive. God's abundant provision. Of grace. And of the gift of righteousness. So that you reign. In life. Through the victory. Of the one. Our Lord. Our precious Savior. Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for freedom and salvation and deliverance.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org.